0: Section 4 of the Medici, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Medici, Volume 1, by G. F. Young. Chapter 3 Giovanni de Bicci, Part 2. Giovanni de Bicci, 1400 1418 giovanni de bici with his wife piccardo boeri and his two sons cosimo and lorenzo who in the year fourteen hundred were boys of eleven and five lived first in an old house in the via laga and then in one which still stands in the piazza del duomo and the familiar view which daily met giovanni's eye from the windows of his house must have been that of the slowly rising walls and dome of the cathedral, begun so long before, and intended by Florence to be grander than any yet built. By the year 1400, Giovanni de Bici was a man in middle age, gracious in manner, retiring in disposition, and much respected by all around him. He has received very little notice from historians, But he was the author of various important works for the benefit of his countrymen and for the encouragement of art. He was distinguished for his ability as a financier and for his prudence, the quality always specially admired by the Florentines, and had made himself highly popular with the people by the liberal way in which he spent his wealth for the public benefit and by his constant readiness to be their champion in the never-ceasing struggle against the nobles. Being regardless of fame or notoriety, it is only here and there in the history of the time that notice of him is to be found. Moreover, during his lifetime, the chief influence in Florence was possessed by the Albizzi family, who, notwithstanding the law affecting the nobles, managed chiefly by influencing the elections still to exercise power meanwhile giovanni was laying the foundations of a family which was ere long to obliterate all memory of the sway of the albizzi the first occasion when we find him specially mentioned is in the year 1401 in the picture of the Florence of that age one point has still to be noted without which that picture would not be complete. Namely, the terrible outbreaks of the plague, which again and again devastated the city in those days, keeping the thought of death and the hereafter ever present in the minds of all men. And our story opens in the midst of one of these awful visitations. And again, as in 1348, and so many other occasions, large numbers of all classes were being daily carried off by this terrible disease. In this distress, Florence determined on a costly votive offering to be placed in her oldest and most highly venerated church, San Giovanni Battista, better known as the Baptistery, and that this offering should take the form of two pairs of very elaborate bronze doors, an international competition was instituted to settle who should execute this work and giovanni de bici as a leading citizen and a great patron of art was appointed one of the judges in this competition it is an interesting and significant coincidence that the first mention we have of the first of the medici should be his taking a prominent part in an event which has always been held as the birthday the Renaissance in art. During the next seventeen years, 1402 to 1418, the chief notices which we have of Giovanni are those showing his quiet but steady advancement in public affairs. In 1402 we find him elected by his guild, that of the bankers, Arte del Cambio, as its prior, which made him a member of the government, and we find him again thus elected in 1408 and in 1411. It is specially recorded that he kept aloof from the many political intrigues of the time, and that these and subsequent higher honours were forced upon him unsought. In 1417 Florence suffered another of those terrible visitations of the plague, which afflicted her on so many occasions. This time it carried off sixteen thousand of the inhabitants. Giovanni did his utmost to relieve the many sufferings of the people, while we are told that he did not confine his help only to the poor, but was no less ready to alleviate the misfortunes of the rich. We must now glance at what had been going on in Europe During those 18 years. Contemporary historical events, 1400 to 1418. The first 18 years of the 15th century were years of various great events in Europe, all of which closely affected Florence and its Signoria. In 1400, the Emperor Wenceslaus was deposed by the electors for his worthless savage and drunken character in his place they chose rupert count palatine of the rhine in fourteen o one the turks under having at last come to the final stage of the long campaign of centuries against the eastern half of the roman empire and having reached and begun to besiege the capital itself constantinople the eastern emperor manuel paleologus who had in thirteen ninety one succeeded his father john paleologus john the sixth like him visited italy germany france and england to try to rouse them to aid in saving constantinople and prevent such a dire calamity to all europe as its fall into the hands of the turks he was received everywhere with imperial honours and much sympathy. But as regards Italy, the papacy was paralysed by the Great Schism, and also would do nothing unless the Eastern Church would agree to acknowledge the supremacy of the Church of Rome, while the other Italian states were at almost constant war and threatened at the moment with extinction by Milan. Germany was in chaos, the emperor having just been deposed. In France, the king was out of his mind, and the country in the utmost confusion. And in England, the king was a usurper, threatened with civil war. So the emperor Manuel Paleologus had to return as unsuccessful as his father had been. Help, however, came to Constantinople from an unexpected quarter. The Turkish dominions were suddenly invaded by the Tartars, under Timur, or Tamerlane, which called away the Sultan Bahase from his attack on Constantinople. And at the Battle of Angora in the following year, he was defeated and taken prisoner by Timur. This defeat shattered for a time the power of the Ottoman Turks, and gave Constantinople a last lease of life for another fifty years. In 1402, Gian galeazzo visconti duke of milan suddenly died in the midst of his schemes of conquest relieving florence of her most formidable enemy and enabling her four years later to conquer and annex a part of his dominions pisa this conquest of pisa extended florence's territory to the coast and gave her a seaport in fourteen o nine in florence's new subject city took place the council of peter the effects of the great schism with half the countries of europe recognising one pope and the other half another became at length so intolerable that all europe began to cry out for a reformation of the church in head and members a phrase constantly on men's lips all through this fifteenth century and this was the first of three attempts to that end The cardinals of both the rival parties deserted their popes and summoned a council of the whole Western Church at Pisa to solve the difficulty. To this council there came about 200 bishops, nearly 300 abbots, over 400 doctors of theology, and the representatives of most of the sovereigns of Europe. The primary point to be fought out was whether a council was supreme over a pope, and therefore able to reform errors in the papacy, or whether a pope was above a council. The sixth century would have been amazed that such a question could be debated, the supreme authority in the church throughout the early centuries having been a general council of equal and independent bishops. Each himself under the authority of such a council but since then one bishop had exalted himself step by step until the time had come that such a question could be debated however the council by the mere fact of assembling on its own authority and in defiance of two popes virtually declared itself the highest power in the church moreover it at once proceeded formally to lay down the same, and this done, it deposed both the rival popes for their crimes. Then the council made the mistake which nullified all its work. Instead of proceeding to reform the abuses in the church, and only after this had been done electing a fresh pope, it elected a pope, Alexander V, before attempting to carry out reforms. The natural result followed. Alexander V promptly found means to adjourn the council, nominally for three years, practically for an indefinite period. This futile conclusion of the first attempt to reform the church left matters worse than before. The two deposed popes refused to accept the sentence of the council, so that the only result was that there were now three rival popes instead of two, and so the great schism continued. Florence, for allowing that detested thing a council to assemble in one of her subject cities, was on behalf of one of the three popes, Gregory the Twelfth, attacked by King Ladislaus of Naples and While the council was sitting, had to protect its deliberations and her own territory by force of arms, with the result that the Florentine army captured Rome. In fourteen ten Pope Alexander V died and was succeeded by Pope John the twenty third and In the same year, Sigismund, King of Bohemia, the younger brother of Wenceslaus, was elected Emperor in fourteen thirteen in England, Henry the Fourth died and was succeeded by his brilliant son henry v and In fourteen fifteen, the latter invaded France because that country would not give him Catherine, the king's third daughter, and with her Normandy, Maine and Anjou. Then followed the great Battle of Agincourt, with its crushing defeat for France. In the same year as this great battle between France and England, there took place the Council of Constance, the second attempt to reform the Church. This council was summoned by the Emperor Sigismund, that holder of the imperial dignity, whom Carlyle sarcastically calls Sigismund Super Grammaticam. The widely representative and authoritative character of this council may be judged by the list of those who composed it. It included twenty-seven archbishops, three hundred bishops, twenty cardinals three hundred abbots and doctors of theology and fourteen deputies of various universities while there also attended its deliberations twenty-six princes a hundred and forty counts and about four thousand priests it sat for over three years at constance whose chief fame it has made it was purposely held out of italy whose bishops could not be depended upon to give an independent opinion. And since these latter outnumbered those of all other countries put together, it was ruled that to prevent their having an undue preponderance, the voting should be by nations. This council put an end to the Great Schism, which for more than a generation had been the scandal of Christendom. Having met and appointed the Emperor Sigismund to preside, and having formally declared its authority over all ecclesiastics, the Pope included, it deposed all the three rival popes, and this time they were unable to refuse obedience. Pope John Twenty-Third was, in addition on account of his crimes, imprisoned for three years in the castle of Heidelberg. But the council then made the same mistake as that of Peter, and before proceeding to reform the abuses in the Church, elected a fresh Pope, Martin V. He at once used all his power to prevent any real reforms being passed, concluded separate concordats with each national party, and terminated the Council as soon as possible. And so this Council, like the former one, failed to achieve that reformation of the Church which all good men throughout europe desired one other thing this council did which has brought upon it and the emperor sigismund lasting infamy this was the burning of john huths and jerome of prague for teaching the opinions of wycliffe in bohemia and notwithstanding that they were at the council under the emperor's own written safe-conduct The disgraceful and only too well-known argument was employed, here perhaps for the first time, that faith need not be kept with those who were heretics. Sigismund thus dishonoured his word, because he feared that otherwise the council, to bring about which he had laboured earnestly, would break up. They were burnt at Constance, 1416, with every circumstance of odious cruelty and all else achieved by this council is forever blackened by this detestable deed. This action provoked such indignation in Bohemia that it caused a furious war, in which priests were burnt in pitch, whole towns destroyed, commerce ruined, the death of King Wenceslaus caused, and the Emperor Sigismund three times defeated, and finally driven out of the country these years 1400 to 1418 are also those of the extensive conquests made by florence's powerful rival venice between 1400 and 1414 venice conquered verona padua vicenza belluno and feltre also lepanto and patras also guastalla castelmaggiore and Brescello. In 1416, Venice gained a great naval victory over the Turkish fleet at Gallipoli, and in the next few years subdued all the towns on the Dalmatian coast, besides waging successful war against Hungary. Venice was at this time at the height of her glory, growing richer and more powerful every year with annual exports valued at ten million ducats, while the wealth and magnificence of her governing class was unbounded. Art, 1400-1418 to 1418. Meanwhile, Florence was, in these years, laying the basis of a very different kind of glory, the results of which were to be of much more permanent importance to the world at large and this wondrous morning of the renaissance in art which shone forth in his time and with which he was intimately connected must ever be the main interest in looking at the life of this first of the medici especially since owing to his retiring disposition we only see occasional glimpses of him among events at that time forming all the principal life of florence The fifteenth century started from the very beginning on its wonderful career in this respect. In the first year of the new century occurred that event already mentioned, the competition for the execution of the bronze doors of the Baptistery. The work being a votive offering on the part of the entire city was intended to be of the very best description, for which reason... This competition to determine by whom it should be executed was instituted among artists of every country the subject fixed was a bronze panel representing the sacrifice of isaac it is impossible to describe the rivalry and enthusiasm called forth by this competition it was a time when the stirrings of art were felt throughout the entire population of florence and the excitement over the matter was intense. When the models were sent in, three of them were considered superior to all others. Those of Ghiberti, Brunellesi, and Jacopo della Quercia, the two former being Florentines, and the third a native of Siena. They were all quite young men, Jacopo della Quercia being twenty-seven, Ghiberti, twenty-three and brunelleschi twenty-two after further consultation the panel by ghiberti was judged the best and the construction of the bronze doors was given to him the models by ghiberti and brunelleschi are preserved in the museum of the bargello and there is no doubt that the decision of the judges was correct brunelleschi in disgust went off to rome declaring that he would learn, in which Ghiberti should not be able to excel him. This he did, and became the great architect of his time. Ghiberti 1. Ghiberti began his work at once, and was occupied on the first pair of doors, which represent scenes in the life of Christ, for the next twenty-two years the labour expended on this work which was more perfect than anything seen in art up to that time and which to this day has never been surpassed was incalculable again and again the panels were recast ghiberti always striving after something more perfect and his patience and determination being so great that he again and again destroyed the results he achieved being resolved not to desist from his labours until he attained the ideal after which he strove. And very wonderful was the aim which he set before himself. In Ghiberti's hands, bronze reliefs became in reality pictures in bronze, even the clouds being represented, and the effect of distance being marvellously rendered. Ghiberti himself tells us, and what he says, while simple enough to us all now, is most interesting when we remember that this is in the early days of art, as follows. In modelling these reliefs I strove to imitate nature to the utmost. I sought to understand how forms strike upon the eye and how the theoretical part of sculptural and pictorial art should be managed. Working with the utmost care and diligence, I introduced into some of my panels as many as a hundred figures. These I modelled upon different planes, so that those nearest to the eye might appear larger, and those more remote, smaller, in proportion. As this work proceeded, its influence on art in general was extraordinary. Ghiberti had to employ a number of assistants, and these pictures in bronze, with their lifelike figures and excellent relief, became, as the details of their execution were followed out, a perfect school of art, in which all who had either the sculptor's or the painter's instinct learnt valuable lessons besides the effect thus produced on the art world generally two at least of the assistants employed by ghiberti in this work learnt therein that which enabled them afterwards to attain fame exceeding even his the painter masaccio and the sculptor donatello then followed in fourteen twelve while the above work was still in progress another event likewise contributing to help forward the outburst in art this was the completion by the guild of the wool merchants of their church of or san michele and the decision to adorn the outside of the walls with statues of apostles and saints each statue to be given by one of the principal guilds hence fresh emulation each guild desiring its statue to be the finest and all the best sculptors vying with each other in the production of these statues. Or San Michele, thus becoming another centre of art inspiration. In this way, there were produced during the next few years, in 1412, Donatello's statue of St. Peter, in 1413, Donatello's statue of St. Mark, In 1414, Ghiberti's statue of St. John the Baptist. In 1415, Ghiberti's statue of St. Stephen. In 1416, Donatello's celebrated statue of St. George. In 1418, Ghiberti's statue of St. Matthew. Statues by other masters followed in subsequent years. End of section 4